Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. And what a week we've had. A chancellor gone, a new one crowned, U-turns galore, chaos in the parliament with accusations of bullying and manhandling. And then, of course, the staggering moment in Britain's political history when after just 44 days, Prime Minister Liz Truss came out to that famous podium in front of number 10 and announced her resignation. And now, of course, the race is on to find yet another prime minister. Now, it's not for me to get into the party politics of it all here. The networks are working overtime to extract just about every last detail from the unfolding drama. But tonight, I want to appeal to us as followers of Jesus to engage in this crisis conversation with some kindness and prayer. Now, I know people are very angry and you may be one of those who is terrified at the possibility of a massive increase on your mortgage payment because the cost of borrowing has skyrocketed or it may be that you're facing the choice between heating and eating as winter closes in. And I'm certainly not wanting to be dismissive about these very real difficulties that we find ourselves in. But let me say this, over the last couple of days, I've found myself praying for Liz Truss. One commentator said that watching her during the last Prime Minister's question time was like watching wolves circling a wounded animal. She finds herself as the object of a million conversations, most of them critical, and don't misunderstand me, it could be said that many of the criticisms are justified. But think of this. She has gone from the highest place in national life, now just weeks later to experience global humiliation and national rejection. Some would argue that she brought that upon herself, and they may be right. But I can't help but wonder what must be going on in her mind in the quieter moments. And I'd like to suggest that we can pray for her alongside all leaders of all parties at this time. This week, I contacted a good friend who is a member of parliament. He's a Christian believer, and he told me that our leaders desperately need our prayers at this time. So, although we've talked about it before on this show, let's consider how we treat our leaders in politics, in church life, especially when things go wrong. How we treat our leaders here on Lucas on Life on Premier Christian Radio. I sighed as she came striding towards me. She had a thunderous look, the usual weather condition of her face. If complaining was an Olympic sport, this lady would have secured gold. In her defence, life had treated her harshly, but consistent grumbling doesn't make a satisfying hobby. Worn down by her negativity, most of her friends had drifted or fled. This church isn't loving enough, she snorted, nostrils flaring alarmingly. 
I invite people for tea, but they always turn me down. Yes, I know, I wanted to say. People are reluctant to stop by to sip tea and have some griping. But she pressed her attack further, and I was firmly in her sights. You're the minister. You need to make this church more loving, she snapped, jabbing a bony finger my way. I wondered how I might achieve this lofty objective and wished that there was something I could secretly sprinkle on the gathered congregation, a potion that would just immediately make everyone kinder. No such miracle product was available. This was not the first time Ms Grumpy had set me an impossible task. Church planting on a bustling housing estate that was home to thousands, she had stood up at our annual business meeting to ask if I had personally visited every house to invite them to our services. I got rather bold and informed her that I was a shepherd, not a sheepdog, and that I was doing my best. She was not amused. Her unrealistic demands continued. The wretched Covid season rudely snatched all of us out of what was and placed us in a time of unprecedented change, where the use of the word unprecedented has been, well, unprecedented. We found ourselves in a landscape as unfamiliar as the surface of Mars, as we queued up and put on masks and fed ourselves on a daily diet of apocalyptic headlines. We wondered if we were going to wake up and feel the beautiful relief that comes when you know that it was all just a dream, but it was not. It surely was a nightmare. During that time, impossible demands have been made upon those who led. Mistakes were made, and I'm not minimising here because lives were lost during that season. Systems had been found wanting, people had failed. We have a press that can investigate, and the opposition that can interrogate, and rightly so. Terrified and bewildered during that season, we stamped our feet and demanded that the government fix what was broken, pay up where there's lack, foresee what's ahead, and mitigate for it accordingly. But in our frantic need for solutions, we can forget that those who lead, they're human. That was true back then, and it's true now. Whatever the political persuasion of our leaders, I believe that for the most part, they are doing their best. Recently, former Archbishop Rowan Williams observed that we've become more liberal and less forgiving as a society. He is surely right. Jesus experienced the crushing pressure of people who battered him with their demands and were never satisfied. The late great Eugene Peterson captures Jesus' frustration. He said, in the message, the people have been like spoiled children whining to their parents. We wanted to skip rope and you're always too tired. We wanted to talk, but you're always too busy. John came fasting and they called him crazy. I came feasting and they called me a lush, a friend of the riffraff. Opinion polls don't count for much, do they? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. That's Matthew 11, 16 through 19 in the message. Meanwhile, Back at that little church, in my conversation with the lady with the tunnel-like nostrils, I was informed that my preaching wasn't deep enough, a brilliantly effective weapon, because there's no technical device to measure what's deep and what's not. And some Christians tag teaching deep when they are confused by it, feeling slightly more spiritual when bewildered. Perhaps some of us 
are those people who derive odd, even perverse pleasure in telling leaders, political or religious, about their ineptitude and shortcomings. Perhaps we could take a break from the rant and ask God in prayer to grant them wisdom and let them know that they are in our prayers. Encouraged by our words and enabled by the God who responds to our requests, they might do better. As we move into a season when another Prime Minister will walk into number 10 with exactly the same problems and challenges as the previous incumbent, let's pray for he or she, whoever they are, that God will strengthen them and please God that a spirit of unity and kindness might be returned to our nation again. Political developments provided the world with a rather verbose cast of characters. There was Mr. Trump in the White House, who was never short of a few words, Mr. Boris, who at that time was parked in number 10, and Kim Jong-un leading North Korea. When conflict came, there was a lot of shouting. Sir Kim Darroch, the British ambassador to the USA, was forced to prematurely end his career because of leaked remarks about the Trump administration. Darroch was dubbed by the Oval Office as a very stupid guy. TV news anchor Megyn Kelly was called a bimbo and another reporter a sleaze. Back in September 2017, Mr Kim from Korea described the American president as that mentally deranged US dotard. Hours later, Mr. Trump responded with a tweet calling Mr. Kim a madman, although they'd been cozying up recently. And Mr. Johnson famously called his former colleagues in the London Assembly great supine potoplasmic invertebrate jellies, which was as creative as well as acerbic. Now, the political arena has always been a place of fierce argument and fast retort. Sir Winston Churchill, rightly celebrated for oratory that galvanised the nation at war, knew the power of an acidic sentence. I wish Stanley Baldwin no ill, but it would have been much better if he had never lived, he said in 1946. He called Labour leader Ramsay MacDonald a sheep in sheep's clothing. On Prime Minister Clement Attlee, he mused, there is less there than meets the eye. But over the last few years, vitriol has been taken to new depths. And all of this is worrying, not least because instead of debating issues, leaders resort to infantile barbs more commonly found in the school playground. And those younger souls who are still in the playground may well feel more empowered to send bullying tweets when adults in high office resort to consistent verbal abuse. And we Christians need to beware as well. A favoured weapon of choice among believers is the labelling machine. A Christian leader goes public with genuine concerns and questions, but is very quickly tagged as a heretic. Now, there is such a thing as heresy, and truth must be guarded, but it's the speed at which the label is applied that's worrying. And those in leadership can be guilty too, especially the more insecure types. As a young pastor, I was irritated by a lady in our church who fearlessly confronted the male-dominated model of leadership that we had back then. I quickly tagged her as divisive and viewed her as an interloper who threatened our unity. Thankfully, no witch's ducking stool was available at the time. I'm grateful that she accepted my apology years later. 
And there's the genre of name-calling, which is devastating, because the person attacked has no means of defence. A preacher is dubbed as unsound. Their teaching is not deep enough, an entirely subjective accusation, because, as I said earlier, there's no way to scientifically measure just what is deep enough. Exuberant worship is sniffily dismissed as frothy. Healthy discussion and disagreement becomes impossible. Dissidents are tagged as traitors. Authentic unity is not the result of an absence of conflict. If we're in churches where everyone always agrees on everything and dissenters are quickly shuffled to the edges, then we should run for our lives. The doctrine might be orthodox, but we might be unwittingly trapped into something that has the social structure of a cult. Not only is all this name-calling hurtful, but ironically, it doesn't help us to get to truth. When we just lob verbal grenades at each other and then duck in the trenches with others who share our opinions and prejudices, we don't grow. Name-calling is lazy. It's easy to smear and demean those who disagree with us with a well-aimed insult rather than rigorously engage with their argument. So next time we find ourselves in a cauldron of conflict, let's play nicely and disagree agreeably. Let's be different. At the cross, love ran red from Chris Tomlin. And speaking of love, as we've been thinking about our political and church leaders, let's ask the question, how can we respond while disagreeing with policies, while wrestling with disappointment about the turbulence? How can we respond lovingly? Well, surely one way is to pray. I believe that our prayers should be with Liz Truss right now. Whatever mistakes have been made, she is a human being that God dearly loves, as are we all. We must remember her in our prayers and remember those who are actually in authority at this time that we might experience not only stability in our country, but also a great sense of unity. We pray for His Majesty's opposition as they confront the current government. That's their job. But in doing so, may we not tear ourselves apart, but somehow with the gargantuan challenges that we face, come together as a people who determine to live together in peace. We bring our prayers to you, Father. We pray for those in authority over us as you have commanded us to do. We pray for our new king, that you will grant him wisdom. We pray for Liz Truss, for Sir Keir Starmer, and for others involved in the current situation. And we pray for ourselves and for our churches that when we agree and then when we disagree, we will do so with clarity, with confidence, but yes, with kindness. May it be so for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining me. See you next week. Lucas on Life.